0: Yes, welcome back to Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM 103.7. My name's Phil Bates. I'll be here through till uh, four o'clock this afternoon. But with us until half past one, David Peterson from Walls End Community Nursery to answer all of your gardening questions. Hello, David.
1: Hello, Phil, and good afternoon to everyone that's been waiting and waiting.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's been a long time, David. It's been a long time.
1: Yes, it seems long, but it's sort of gone... Really, really fast, I think so. well it,
0: well, it has, and certainly um, it, for people who've been in the garden. Doing gardening, uh, I know. Talk um, about gardening. They would have been hanging out for <laughs> uh,
1: for today, David.
0: I'll give them the number straight away: four nine two one six two one six. Four nine two one six two one six is the number to ring if you've got any gardening problems at all. David's here till half past one to answer those questions. And uh, we were saying just before we came in at the mm. studio, David. Well, I was saying I've had my share of problems <laughs> over, over the six weeks or so we've been off the air. I've, I've been struggling with myrtle rust on yes. my Geraldton wax and some other things. and uh,
1: Fungal in general, Phil. Fungal, fungal diseases in general.
0: I think that can be the phrase oh, for today, fungal saying. in general, David.
1: <laughs> it, was it was just th- doing amazing. I mean, look, if we look at this time last year, everything was probably burnt off, everything was yep. brown, but this year everything is just so green, and I must say, Everything is just growing. Growing to the sky. It's just it's just oh, ridiculous.
0: Yep, except my tomato.
1: Oh no, not a disaster. <laughs> yep,
0: yep. My my much vaunted tomato in the pot. I I don't know what I did wrong, but you know, it just wasn't looking happy. It curled up its leaves, it turned brown. And And I
1: think, Phil, you're not the only one in that boat because a number, quite a number of people have come in with problems with their tomatoes in at work. And it's just due basically to all these really, really wet, humid conditions that fungal diseases has just gone riot through the garden. And, I mean, I think most people are pulling out their tomatoes and putting new ones in. And that's that's the point that I want to make. It's not too late to put another crop of tomatoes in, Phil. So... I mean, if you do, of course, you'll get those cropping right through into the autumn months. So it's not too late for still those summer vegetables. I know that we're sort of creeping towards autumn and we're thinking about our winter vegetables, but there's still time to get another uh, tomato plant and pop it in. Okay.
0: Any tips on what sort of tomato we should be looking at? uh... Well,
1: it doesn't really matter. I mean, remembering, too, also the bigger the tomatoes, the more chance you have a fruit fly attacking. If you stick to the little cherry tomatoes or the egg tomatoes... Uh Uh, they're the ones that are less susceptible to the fruit flies So they're probably the pick to put in If you can get them, that is I mean, I'm trying uh, to still keep a fair range of tomatoes But they are very limited Because once again, right. the growers have stopped growing a lot of these things And switching over to their winter crops So you can still get them, but only in limited supply
0: Okay, okay <laughs> um, I'll see whether I'm strong enough to take And what about the grass, tomato. fill? Oh, look You've oh. got to
1: be mowing the lawns twice a week to keep them down.
0: It's it, well, and it, it looks lovely when it's mowed oh, yes. because it's, it's thick and deep and green and, and looks like a carpet. Yes. But my goodness, as you were saying, it doesn't take long for it to <laughs> get up to ankle height and yep, then shin exactly. height. And then, if you're not careful, knee height. That's
1: right. That's right. <laughs> It is just amazing how many times you see people out lawn mowing at the moment because yep. they're trying to keep their well, lawns back. my
0: neighbour across the road was mowing his lawn just as I left um, at about half past ten this morning. So, <laughs> um, yeah, if you're out there mowing the lawn with the radio on, strapped to your head, maybe give it a bit of a break, go inside, have a drink and uh, listen to us give david a call 49216216 being the number if uh, if you would like to do that and maybe write it down because between now and half past 1 you going to it uh be tempted to to ring up with some some question um lines are free at the moment that's a good time to give us a call David, um, today, if I recall, uh, people who ring up are going in the draw for two new RFSMs, gardening walkback, a combined draw for the few programs we had in That's right. December mm-hmm. and these this program at the end today. of January. <laughs> yeah. so we'll draw that tomorrow. So yeah, uh, we'll
1: draw that next uh, Monday. Uh, next
0: Monday, <laughs> next Monday, first blunder <laughs> for a new year. We'll draw, draw that next Monday, and all you need to do when you ring up with the question is to give Diane on the phones your details and that'll put you in the drawer when David of course can come around to your place and give you some one-on-one advice on what you're doing wrong with your tomatoes perhaps and and other things. Um, And of course everyone who rings up today goes in the drawer For these wonderful things which you're giving away, chosen at the end of the program from amongst today's uh, callers, um, including this lovely native plant. Oh, yes.
1: I knew you'd be impressed (laughs) by this native, Phil. Tell us all about it. Okay. And it's something that you don't often see, but we only see during the summer months because that's when it um, does its best during the summer. It flowers during, sometimes around the Christmas time, and I'm talking about the flannel flowers. We don't see these very often. But they seem to be bringing out newer varieties of the flannel flowers that are a little bit a little bit more easier, I should put it like that, to grow than the old um, fennel flowers because I know Lots and lots of people try and grow flannel flowers and they just don't succeed. Remembering with flannel flowers, they like a really well-drained position, and I do stress that because they will not grow in heavy ground at all or boggy ground. They must have exceptional drainage and a good sunny spot in the garden, but a little bit protected, and they come up in these most beautiful flowers. And, of course, I'm sure everyone out there is familiar with flannel flowers.
0: Oh, you've only got to drive around the coast and look at oh, the sides of the roads. Or up I used the bay, to grow course, on the sides of the roads
1: going to the bay yes, as well, but I didn't right. see any this year going up there. So, I mean, I don't know what's happened, but perhaps um, they will appear eventually. But not only, so that's our plan I'm giving away today, as well as that I'm giving away a box of tomato food. Now, of course, for all those people that are still thinking of putting in another crop of tomatoes. <laughs> this will be very, very helpful. So a box of tomato food, as well as a container of the Sea Organic. Now, remembering this is the one that you pop on and it continually works over a period of six to eight weeks as well. And I've got some other sachets in that bag as well, which consists of some saturated and other bits and pieces of fertilizer as well.
0: Oh, and we thought Christmas was over, David. I know, it, it's just never ending with no, me. No, you, you're just a generous person. Okay. So I
1: get told all the time. Oh, right. Yep. Well, not just me. Nope. Okay.
0: Well, um, all you need to do is ring up and be part of the program. And uh, I think it's probably about time we got yeah. started, David. Okay. Let's say hello now to Graham from Lemon Tree Passage.
1: Hello, Graham. Hello, mate. There you go. Good, thank you. Uh, well,
2: my problem—I'm not much of a gardener, but my wife is. And what I've done, uh, I've uh, bought some blue Japanese rose seeds. Right. And they—they they tell you the germination temperature, germination, problems, all this sort of planting season. But I've been in touch with them, but through language, you know. And I just ask him, they say the planting season is from November to March. Mm-hmm. The flowering season is May to November, mm-hmm. and the flowering is 45 days. Right. But does that compare to our time? Is, uh, like it... chi- is China...
1: and. Yeah, well, I would, I would say it would be because, I mean, most of those sorts of things you would plant during the springtime, ready for germination, so that they would germinate, ready for flowering season during the summertime. So, yes, I would still go according to those peaks. So, if you put them in during spring, it's probably just a little bit late now to be considering that if you can hold on to them for next spring. So, we're looking at round about September. Pop those in then, and then they should be up and in flower by the summertime for you. Yeah,
2: they, they said you. Yes. How to yes. Do it, but I know most people know how to germinate yes. seeds, but uh, well, as long you as, know, just, as you, know, long know, as long as I just bought them off the, the
1: eBay. Okay. As long as you just grow them in some seed raising mixture, because that will germinate them a little quicker for you. Um, so just get hold of some of that and just... look. Certainly, I mean, Graham, try a few at the at this time of the year and just see what luck you have with them.
2: Yeah, well, I, I've been sweating on you coming back from the holidays.
1: Well, thank you very much.
2: Not holidays, so I thought
1: I'll,
2: I'll give you a ring on this problem that I had.
1: Yeah, we'll see I... how you go, and let me know how you go if you just plant a few in the next coming few weeks. All right, then, mate. Okay. I still will. Thanks, I'll... Graham. Bye bye.
0: Thank you very much, Graham. Um, June from Redhead is the next caller on the line.
1: Hello, June. Hello,
3: Dave. Um I haven't got the problem that everybody else seems to have with the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's I've just got me, June. <laughs> <of tomatoes. laughs> Sorry? Hello? Yes? Yeah, I said I've got an abundance of tomatoes growing, not like everybody else seems to have had a lot of problems. That's good. But the only problem i got with them is that I didn't seem to have the flavour in the round of tomatoes as
1: I would have expected. Okay. All right. Well, we can certainly try and fix that. If you've still got it in, you can still try and fix that uh, just by getting yourself um, – I'm going to mention this word again, which I mentioned constantly throughout last year, and that's potash. potash yes, well, is, I, I have
3: been using that.
1: In the liquid form, June? No, not in okay. the liquid
3: form, in the uh –
1: Solid. okay i certainly would try the liquid form it's now available in liquid so you can actually dilute it down and pop it on once every two weeks yes. and of course that works a little bit quicker than what the granulated potash does okay. so i would try and get hold of some of that and just apply that every couple of weeks but that should improve the flavor for you all
3: right and now i've also got the is it black the black russian oh yes yes mean? yes and i've got abundance of those too. now I, could I do the same thing with those?
1: By all means. Right? So, okay. Yes, yeah, certainly. Well, Anything that you've got as far as edible crops go or even flowering things, you can use this um, soluble potash on and it just improves the flower and the fruit production.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, then. Yes, and everything else is growing well. All the cucumbers oh, the cucumbers yes. are abundant. certainly
1: know. been a good season yes. as far as growing goes. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. okay good. good. Thanks very much. Thank you, June. Bye for uh-huh. now.
0: Thank you very much, June. A couple of lines have become free now. If you're waiting to give us a call on 49216216 on Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Um, Mark from Limitary Passage on the line now.
4: Hello, Mark. Oh, good day, David. Um, how you going? Good. That's the way. Uh, matey, I'd just like to talk to you about, I've got a dozen lovely iceberg roses I planted last July. hmm And, of course, they were in bags and looked like TV antennas. Yes. And then within about two months of them being put in, they they came beautifully in um, foliage. And then not long after that, they blossomed with beautiful roses and everything. But now they've been in uh, ever since, and I'm starting to get black spot, which I've had on quite a few of the uh, leaves. And it's really getting quite bad, and now they're turning yellow and some are even dropping off. And Mm -hmm. I've been spraying it with Yates Rose Shield Mm -hmm. uh, every so often because, of course, the aphids, start; they enjoy it as well. Yes. It's a free time for them. And it's been doing good with them, but it doesn't seem to do much good with the black spot.
1: I'm just
4: wondering, um, is there anything maybe better than... um, what I'm using, Yates Rose Shield.
1: Well, there certainly is. I mean, there's one very good product that's used for fungal diseases on roses, and it's called Tripharine, And... It's it's very good because it's basically just a fungicide spray. You can alternate them between the Rose Shield and the Trifarine every fourteen days, because okay. that's basically just concentrating on the fungal disease, disease. But I tell you what, the best thing in the world we have found mm. is to cut them back, give them a summer prune at this time of the year.
4: Well, that's really yeah what I was going to ask you about. Give them a, a bit of a savage yes.
1: prune because and we get had rid of a lot of that yes, and then well,
4: start from scratch. That's going. right.
1: That's exactly right, and that's what we did at work. Ours were looking really really bad and of course i couldn't get rid of any of them so we gave them a very very good hard prune back fed them up really well and they have come on beautifully it's just like a new season of roses that have come through so that would be the thing to do for anyone out there that's having trouble with their roses they look really bad Give them a good haircut, not quite as strong as what you would do in the June, but certainly three-quarters of the way, uh, and then feed them up and they will come back to life as good as ever. Make sure, of course, that you clean up all the um, uh, leaves that have actually fallen from the roses on the ground because they harbour the disease as well. And then once they start to reshoot again, Mark, start on the Triferene and the rose shield again. Sounds
4: fantastic. Um, How do you spell that, David?
1: Triferene is spelled T R I. Yes. Uh, F-O-R-R-I-N-E.
4: Uh, and you can buy it from um, any garden should be centre? able to
1: buy it from any good garden centres, yes.
4: Oh, that's fantastic. I've been using uh, for the... Um Fertilizer. I've been mean, using sudden impact.
1: Oh yeah, look, that's a great fertilizer. But you yeah, can actually a couple of months. I yes. put that
4: around the base of them. Yes. And, um, but I, you know they've been doing exceptionally well right up until of recent when yes. this black spot seems yes. to be really taking control. Now,
1: well, that's the thing I would do, Mark. Give them a good prune and get let them reshoot again.
4: And from the top <coughs> down, what you, I take about what about about a quarter off.
1: You could take nearly half the fold, half the um, stems off quite easily.
4: All oh, right. right, okay, and
1: um, see how I go. Thank okay. you very much for that. Thank you very much, Mark. Okay. Bye, Bye for now. Bye now.
0: Thank you, Mark, and um, let's see... Carol from Bluehaven is on the line now.
1: Hello, Carol. Hello,
5: David. How are you? Good. Uh, can okay? You, hear
0: me okay? Uh, you okay. might have your radio on there, I think, <laughs> Carol.
5: Yes, I do. So you... I turn it off? If you could,
0: that'd be great, yeah. Yeah, I've
5: got too much happening
0: here. <laughs> Busy time of the year.
5: Oh, terrific. David, I've rang you before, mm-hmm. and I've had trouble with my citrus. Mm-hmm. And I keep getting this curly leaf. Now, I cut, cut it all off and bend it on the lemon and the lime tree, and it's all back again, worse than ever. What can I do to stop it, and what, okay. what causes it? All
1: right, well, it's a little insect, and if you look at the leaf very closely, you'll find little swiggles all over it, like a little snail's been crawling all over the foliage. Uh, now, I lost you there for a minute. Okay, are we right now? Yep. Okay, so you'll need it's like a little insect that gets in between the two layers of the leaf and causes a little snail trail all over the actual leaf. Yep. So yes, you've got to cut all the young foliage off first, but then you need to spray it, Carol. You need to spray it with a product called pest oil. And when you've done this, you'll need to repeat it again in 14 days and then once again in 14 days. And this actually breaks the life cycle of the, uh, the little leaf miner that gets into the leaves. Okay. So before um, you spray it each time, you must check the plant and just see whether the, the young leaves still have that insect attack in them. If it does, you trim them off again, spray it. So you've got to do that three times at that 14-day interval. Okay. And that should clear it up for you?
5: Oh, I hope so. I had uh, no idea what to use, so I just hit it with Confidor, but Mm -hmm. that didn't seem to do anything. No,
1: well, that's where you need the pest oil, because it puts a little barrier of oil, a very fine oil on the leaf, and it stops the insect from re-getting into the foliage again.
5: Okay. Now, one more question. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still having trouble getting my limes to bear a metre apart from each other, the lemon and the lime, and I just get lots of fruit, and it doesn't set. And I don't know how often I should feed them. Um, I'm trying to give them deep waterings. I have lemons coming all the time at various stages,
1: but not so with the lime. All right. Well, the thing with citrus trees is that they can be fed once every six to eight weeks with a citrus fertiliser, making sure, of course, you water that in very thoroughly after you use it. Yep. Now, you can use some potash on them. Once again, potash is a flower and fruit producer. And when you say that the fruit is formed and it falls off, that indicates to me that that potash element may be missing in the soil. So you can add it when you add the citrus fertiliser as a granular, or else you can buy it as a liquid, whereas whereas you just mix it up with water and water that around the root system. And you can do that fortnightly with the liquid one, and that pushes that potash into the plant straight away.
5: Okay, when I spoke to you last year, I had uh, told you I had a fire, and I was using the ash out the fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I haven't used the fire, so I haven't used potash since. So, okay. is it safe to use this on a regular basis?
1: Well, with the liquid one, yes, it is. You can 14. actually use it mm. every fourteen days, quite easily without any problems.
5: Okay. All right. I think that's what I'll do. Thank All right. you very much, David. Thanks, I'm Carol. Glad you're
1: back. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad okay. to be back. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. Bye bye now.
0: And I think Carol speaks for the gardeners at the hunter there, David. It it is good to have you back. uh, On the line, David, we've got Bruce from Elibana.
1: Hello, Bruce.
6: Hello, David. Welcome back. Thank you. David, um, I've been renovating, I've started renovating my lawn um, to do a little bit of top dressing and fill in a couple of hollows that were um, put there by a truck that had to go across it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've cut it back fairly short, David, and what I've discovered in amongst the cooch, it's predominantly cooch, um, is that there's a, a, a weed that's forming a mat in various places? The leaf is about a half an inch long, spear-shaped, and it appears um, that it runs along underneath the um, the couch leaves. It's um, yeah, it's, a, it's I've seen it around other areas, but I didn't realise I had any of it in my lawn.
1: So, so it's not actually above the grass at all. It's actually underneath the grass.
6: Well. Where, it's, where it forms a map, David, the, the cooch moves out of its way, basically. Okay. And so the leaves are getting light, mm-hmm. um, and they do spread. They, right. they seem to spread much like cooch itself does
1: okay. um, on so, runners. Yeah, so it is accessible to spray it, if I can suggest something to spray it with. Yes. yes, Okay. That's fine, because, I mean, you, I, it obviously sounds very much like it could be another variety of grass, but then again, without seeing it, it's hard to say. Sometimes when you spray a selective weed spray, which means that it picks weeds out of lawns, uh, it may not do the job for you. And One very good one you could try would be bindi. I mean, you could try just do a trial patch if you've got some bindi, just to spray it with that to see whether that has any effect on the weed or not. I, if it, I
6: have, ac- I have actually done that, David.
1: Yes, and it um, didn't work.
6: It yellows it. Yes, but it doesn't kill it. Okay. And the the leaf itself, as I said, is about a half an inch long and probably a quarter inch wide. Mm. It's not a grass. Yes. Um, and it has a, a one little area of it is starting to flower, and it's got like a small, whitish flower that appears.
1: Yes. I have a feeling I know what it is. The only thing that i found that will actually get rid of it is, is the just your glyphosate products, or Zero or Roundup is another name for it, that you're probably going to have to paint on, because obviously by spraying the glyphosate, you're going to kill the grass as well. Yes. So if there's a way that you can get down just with a little paintbrush, I mean, you don't have to cover the entire area with this particular product just a matter of splashing it on a few of the leaves so that that goes down into the stem and works through the stem to kill the weeds so Mm. you may probably have to consider trying to do it that way to try and get rid of it out of the lawn
6: Mm, all right David, just another quick one. Um, Is there any way to reduce the impact of um, kikuyu spreading across Kooch or through Kooch?
1: Not at all, because once again, all grasses belong to the same sort of family, so there's nothing that we can spray or do to prevent one grass from growing onto another. Mm, So the herbicides will affect both? Yes, that's right, yes. And once again, the only way that we're going to... to to do this is by brushing it with your glyphosate products to just prevent grass from growing into the other areas. Slow processing 800 square metres. (laughs)
6: It's a fairly
1: big job, yes. It is, unfortunately. Mm. All right.
6: Thank you very much for your help, David. And again, thank you. Um, Thanks, Bruce. Nice to have you
1: back. Uh, Thank you very much. Bye for now. Bye now.
0: Thank you, Bruce. I think a fortune awaits anyone, David, who comes up with a a way that you can spray grass and get rid of one grass out of the That's right,
1: that's right.
0: I'll go away and work on it. (laughs) Next on the line, Mandy from Georgetown.
1: Hello, Mandy.
7: How are you?
1: Good, thank you.
7: Yes, I've just got a a question with
8: the tomatoes. Um, Our tomatoes haven't done too badly this year, Mm
1: -hmm.
8: much better over previous years. But um, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, can I take... The, well, I know you, you just said we can take them down and start again, but not in the same spot.
1: Is That's that right.
8: Not? Or can I put them in... The... Because I'm limited
1: to where I... Oh, I see. Yes. Well, of course, as we always say with any vegetable garden, we've we've got to try and rotate our crops. So even if you just went to the trouble of probably getting a pot and popping one in a pot to just take it through into the autumn months, particularly if you're limited with room, but normally we shouldn't put it back into the same spot again. We should go to a different spot and put another tomato in.
7: Um, and what is the reason for that? Because
1: some plants take things out of the soil that will affect, will, will affect the, the same plant if you put it back in there again. So everything okay. that's taken out is not there for that particular plant. And that's why we rotate the crops, because everything takes different things out of the soil. So normally what we would suggest to do is if you had a crop that's above the ground one season, you put a crop that's below the ground the following season. Yeah. So, that it, so, you, so you're alternating the areas completely completely
8: and you can't sort of quickly replace that with
1: anything can well you know? certainly you you can try you can certainly just add a very good compost and a good fertilizer and perhaps a little bit of garden lime and that would um, probably re the area again for you but there may be still things missing from it
9: sure okay thanks right. very much david
1: thank you bye-bye
0: thanks mandy <clears throat> a very good back. point that one Yes, mm. yeah, and and one that perhaps um, needs to be made a few times, yes, um, particularly around this time when people are thinking about planting their next mm. their next crop, is that sort of you know in the old days, um, uh, farmers used to talk about rotating their crops. Yes. It's a similar sort of that's thing. That's right. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm.
1: So as I said, sometimes they would put in a crop that fruits above the ground, and then the following season they would put in a crop that actually fruits below the ground. Right. So,
0: mm. Yeah. Oh. Okay, next on the line, uh, we go up to Jerry's Plains and we say hello to Alwyn.
1: Hello, Alwyn. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Welcome back, Dave. Thank you.
10: Um, I've got a, um, a, a couple of questions, one particular one that I've been wanting to ask you for years, but I haven't been able to get onto a phone. I usually listen to you at work. I've retired now, so okay. I can <laughs> do as I like.
0: Oh, congratulations, Alwyn. <laughs> um,
1: White jacaranda. Yes. How rare are they? Uh, well, they're becoming a little more popular. Uh, you, once upon a time, I'm probably looking at around about 10 years ago, they were quite rare. You wouldn't see very many of them. But they are gradually working their way in through nurseries now, and you quite often see them nearly every year. To be quite honest, I haven't seen them at all this year. And normally with the white jacarandas, you often see them as a grafted tree, not just a normal uh, seed or cutting grain.
10: Oh, right, yeah. This one's been in the ground here about 14 years. Mm. Unfortunately, it's only about two metres, two and a half metres high. Oh, okay. Wouldn't that be
1: normal for it? Well, I mean, that sounds awfully slow for something that's been in 14 years. I would have expected it to be much larger than that by now uh, because, I mean, I mean, jacarandas are slow, but certainly not to that degree. There, there would be no reason why uh, the white would be a little any different to the purple as far as its growing habit goes.
10: Uh. And the, the others, I've got quite a few of the other purple ones here in the yard put in since then, and, and they're going like
1: mad. That's what I mean. It should be yeah. much larger than that, than what it already is. So yeah. has it ever flowered?
10: Oh, yeah. I the can... last three or four years it's right. flowered. And it, what, should it produce
1: seed? Um, well, it, it should produce seed eventually, yes. Oh, right. And That's... once again, by 14 years, I would expect to see some form of seed on it anyway.
10: Yeah, I've been keeping an eye on it this year because we're uh, we're moving from here and that's, um, I was hoping to get some seeds to take oh, okay. with me. Well, so my wife suggested that I we try digging the tree out and I said, no, no.
1: Well, well, look, that was going to be a suggestion of mine that you actually dig it out, but of course you wouldn't do that until its dormant state when it's completely asleep for the winter months, and that would be a a very, very good time to actually consider lifting it, considering it's a tree that's only that size now, I mean, I see no reason why it couldn't be moved. It might help it too. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because that was another thing I was going to suggest, that in the winter you just dig around it to try and um, expand the root system out that perhaps is still just growing within a pot sort of shape, and that's why it hasn't expanded any further. Yeah,
10: it could be the ground too because we're on clay. Okay,
1: that will make a very big difference.
10: Uh, Yeah. The other thing is a ponytail palm. Mm. I brought it here in a pot, after a clown of a kid fell on it and broke it and it shot out two shoots. Oh, yes. got too big for the pot, and I put it in the ground, and it's just gone berserk. Mm -hmm. It's about four metres high now. It flowered two years ago. One of the stems flowered two years ago. And on that stem, eight shoots come out.
1: Oh, okay, yeah.
10: Now, because we're moving, what's the chances of me taking a couple of those off and transplanting and putting them into a pot and getting them
1: going. Well, normally with palms, I mean, they're grown by seed mostly. They're not grown by anything else. I've not actually tried growing them from those offshoots. Certainly you could try and do that, but um, if you took them off, you'd have to try and take a bit of the parent plant as well um, because that's its part of its root system and then just pop them into some seed-raising mixture and to see whether they take off or not. All oh, right. It's worth a try. To, I never thought
10: to look. Seeds when it had the
1: yeah, had well, a huge big seed head. Right? Yes, well, after the flower should have, the seeds should is. have been produced, and they would have been the things that you could have collected.
10: Mm.
1: Mm. All right. All right then. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> Thank you very much. Enjoy retirement. I will. Thank okay. you. Bye bye <laughs> now. Bye.
0: Thank you, Alwyn. I know we're talking about a tree, David, but would it be possible that you could take a cutting? um,
1: Of a jacaranda? Yeah,
0: if you were going to move?
1: Certainly, that would be another thing that he could do is to take cuttings of the jacaranda. Just remembering, as I said during the course of that call, is that the white jacaranda is grafted for a simple reason that I don't think it has a very, very strong root system like the original jacaranda does.
0: Yeah, so it might not. Like grow on its yes. own roots, yeah, and okay. that
1: possibly, if if one has a cutting grown one, not a grafted one, that's possibly the other reason why oh, he's not right. getting the growth either, is because yeah. the, if the, it's being on its own root system and maybe just struggling a little bit in the. So conditions. would they
0: be grafted onto the the purple? Good question, green? Phil. Good question oh, because j- I
1: haven't. Um, was I posed I, a good question. <laughs> I'm <pleased with> that. <laughs> I haven't uh, come across a white jacaranda for a number of years. Right. So. Hmm.
0: Okay. Um, next on the line uh, from Bal Bol- Collin, we say hello to David.
11: Hello, David. Yeah, hi, David. Uh, look, just a couple of questions. We have two small flowering gums out the front. Mm-hmm. Would not be more than two years old, and uh, they were just the, the blossoms. One on this year were just fabulous. What is the treatment after they finished flowering? Like, okay. What do you do with the uh, like the little cone things on the end.
1: Okay. Well, you can either let them get established so that they're actually forming the seed capsules because you can then, if, if, if you're into drying the seed capsules, you can dry them and um, display them. Otherwise, if you're not worried about the seed capsules, you just trim those off because that way all the energy then goes back into the growth of the gum and okay. you'll get more growth for the end of the season. So, okay. Mm.
11: Yep. And um, you don't need to treat the ends where you cut off
1: Not at all. all. No, Um, you can just cut the seed capsules off and uh, the energy will then just go back into the growth of the tree. Feed it up, of course, if you haven't fed it um, in the last couple of months just with a good native fertiliser or something that's fairly safe uh, and it will certainly push back into growth with this lovely weather that we're having.
11: Okay. the only other thing on the smaller one, uh, it flowered well before the the larger flowering gum and the leaves, uh, they've lost their greeny tinge and a couple of them looking a bit yellow and brownish. Do, well, do we need to feed
1: the... Well, that, that's a good indication that you do need to put a little bit of fertiliser mm. around them so that wouldn't go astray. Pop that around, water that in well so that it gets down into the soil. Okay. Any,
11: any recommendation
1: on the, Yeah, well, look, certainly fertilizer? you can use one that's labelled native fertiliser or else blood and bones a good alternative that you can put on because it's nice and safe and it is organic. Thank you for that information, David. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye bye Bye
0: now. Thank you, David. One thing I did have success with over the break was my flowering gum. A huge um, show of of beautiful red, spectacular. Yeah, and even more spectacular, it was visited almost all day every day by a pair of oh, rainbow lorikeets yes, that just yes. worked their way over it. So um, yeah, added added bonus there with the yes. rainbow lorikeets. But they're a gorgeous tree, aren't, aren't they? they? Mm. And do you
1: do you leave the seed capsules on, Phil, or do you have them cut off?
0: Uh depends on whether I get at it first or Lucy gets at it first. Lucy likes the likes the the, because they're very big. Oh, they're huge, gorgeous looking yes. gum nuts. But um I'm I'm like you. I'm I'm looking for growth, <laughs> looking for more flowers next year. So whoever gets to it I first you know, either Lucy protects it or I get stuck <laughs> in. Okay. Um let's say hello to Bill from Gwandalan now.
1: Hello, Bill.
7: Hello, Dave, how are you going? Good right. thank you. Many happy terms.
1: Oh thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh
7: just uh, I'm not sure of my pronunciation. Polygala X.
1: That's right. Yes.
7: Elman-Siana.
1: Yes, done very well then.
7: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now the, the 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 stems are going brown, the leaves are going brown, and uh I've had a good look. There's no little beetles mm-hmm. or nothing on the plant whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It uh, looks like a fertiliser problem. No, have been using not... uh, sea soil, that's okay. about
1: all. Right. All right. It's not actually a fertiliser problem, Bill. It's a humidity problem because polygalas do not like too much moisture and they uh-huh. hate humid weather. So the main thing is to try and make sure that it doesn't get too wet so you're not really watering it as well as... Uh, well, I've get... been giving it too much water
7: yeah. to try and get it going.
1: No, well, that's, that's the that's, you should be doing the reverse because that's what's going to cause the problem even further. What I would suggest oh. to you, Bill, is if you've got an fungicide sprays at home yes. something like some mancozeb uh, just mix that up according to directions and water that into the ground so it's around the root system so in, yes but otherwise lay off the water a little bit because they do like to dry out between their waterings and let's face it we have had quite a deal of rain over the last several yeah. weeks so uh,
7: just one more quick thing mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a lot of people in around Portland, are using uh, 50% urine and 50% water. Mm. And they reckon it's the best thing in the world, especially for citrus and other flowers. It's, yeah. a, it's a good old... One
1: well, I have heard of that before, and I have heard of people using it, particularly on passion fruit and things like that. So, I mean, look, certainly I, I'm not going to say it's going, not going to work, but I'm also going to say that I, I would suggest to use it regularly. So, uh, yeah, but if it's diluted, I think it should be fine.
7: Okay, well, the main thing is to keep the water away from my blah, blah, blah. Yes, that's
1: right, yes.
7: <laughs> okay, thanks for your You have a good day.
1: Thank you, Bill. Bye for now.
0: Thank you very much, Bill. And on the line now, it's Pauline from Garden Suburb.
1: Hello, Pauline.
9: Good afternoon. Could you please help me, David, with my hydrangeas? Mm-hmm. I've got two that I bought. And they were beautiful, uh, real rich burgundy, and one was a pinky colour.
1: Mm-hmm.
9: I've now got two lovely blue ones.
1: Okay. Well, it must... <laughs> what do I do? All right. Well, it must have been the soil that's actually changed them to a different colour. So mm-hmm. all you really need to do is to get some lime, just normal garden lime, and just sprinkle that around them. And that'll actually bring the colour back to the pinks or the reds for next season again.
9: All right, so how often would
1: I do this? You should only need to do it once, so you oh, should okay. only need to put the garden lime around and that will actually fix them up ready for next year's flowering because it, huh? it does something to the soil, changes the soil, and changes it back to what the hydrangeas like to form the pink flowers or the red flowers. All
9: right. so if I do it now or should I do it when they like sort of not, Flowering, or what should I do? Well,
1: actually, probably the best thing to do, but the trouble is if you do it now, it's done, rather than waiting unless you oh, put a mark okay. on the calendar. Uh, but mm-hmm. certainly you could do it, do it during the winter months. But if, if you do it now, that should be fine.
7: Oh,
9: well, it's quite simple then. It is, it, it is. Something quite difficult.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so just now, some garden love. my daughter line. thought
9: she was helping, and she bought me a product called Sulphur. Yes. On the packet I'm reading, it says commonly known as agriculture sulphur. Right. Should I take that back?
1: Well, there's no reason why you need to use the sulphur because the sulphur is so actually. use the lime instead. That's right. Because to, to use the sulphur, you'll be causing them to become bluer. Oh. So <laughs> you need to okay. use the lime to actually go back the back other to way. The pink. Yes. <laughs> yes.
9: All right, then. Well, look, thank you very much. My pleasure. I do appreciate
1: taking the call. No trouble, Pauline. Bye. Bye.
9: bye.
1: Thank you very
0: much, Pauline. Um, David, we've got a couple of minutes between now and the news, so maybe we can catch up on a few of the things we should have been doing and hopefully have done or maybe need to do in uh, <laughs> the last few weeks, the next few weeks. Not asking very much no, for two, not at two all, minutes. Not sure. yeah.
1: Well, of course, as I was doing before we left the season last year, is was telling people to use plenty of mulch. And I'm sure if mm. you use plenty of mulch around that time, it'll be due to use more mulch now because eventually mulch does break down and goes into the soil. Remembering sugarcane is probably by far the best mulch that you can use on the garden because it does break down, so you do need to add more again later in the season. So certainly add some more mulch. Certainly because of all the rain that we've had, uh, it does leach a lot of fertilisers and things through the soil. So if you haven't fed uh, anything... I was wondering yeah, about that, yeah. If you haven't fed anything within the last month or two, it is wise to just um, pop some more fertiliser around things because I know for myself that things do start to look a little bit pale after all this rain because it just leaches the fertiliser through very very quickly so yes yeah, some more fertiliser is due around your garden as well remembering that probably one of the better ones to use is the organic life because it has the seaweed fish emulsion and blood and bone in it so it's got all those wonderful components in it uh, well, people are still actually weeding the lawn fill because i mean there are lots and lots of weeds that are still coming well that's through the thing lawn. the weeds are growing yep. as fast as everything that's else
0: right. if not fast
1: that's in right cases. so yeah. it's not too late to still spray your lawns for those weeds perhaps at this time of the year you may not need to spray the entire lawn you may just need to mix up a batch of spray and i'm referring to bindi because bindi covers quite an array of weeds in any type of lawn so just a spot spray around the lawn which means you just to mix up a small quantity and just go around and spray the odd weeds in the lawn as well as that i mean i know we are getting lots of growth with the lawn but we still do need to fertilize the lawn to promote stronger growth not that Mm -hmm. spindly growth that we're getting at the moment so certainly on a good rainy day where we've had plenty of those if you can get with some fertilizer and throw that around of course that will save you using the water to water it in the rain will do that for you so certainly that as well and certainly too because of all the rain a liming of the grass doesn't go astray particularly if you forgot to do that during spring and the busier months uh, certainly it wouldn't hurt to lime the ground that just sweetens it and brings the grass back really nicely oh
0: yeah, that's terrific lots of things to do well, David, you've just uh, been for a little bit of a walk. So I have, Warm yes. outside.
1: Very humid, yes. Right, as, as we, we can imagine, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, um, we've got um, people ringing up. Lines are still free, though. If uh, you'd like to give us a call, 49216216 is the number. But on the line now, it's Beth from Balmoral.
1: Hello, Beth.
8: Hello, David. How
3: are
1: you? Good, thank you.
8: Good. David, um, just a quick one. Agapanthers and clivias Mm -hmm. getting some white powdery stuff down near the base. I don't know whether it's um, powdery mildew or if it's something else. Just at the very base of the plant, it's going
3: white.
1: Yes, it has been a combination of sometimes mealybug and powdery mildew, so it probably is wise to cover both those bases. So if you've got some uh, insecticide at home, probably the best one for mealybug is Confidor or conca is the other v- variety. Um, and the one, of course, for the, uh, the, the scale, uh, mealybug and, um, what they, and powdery mildew is, mm-hmm. powdery, powdery, powdery mildew is the mancozeb. So if you can mix some mancozeb and the conca together, That makes up your insecticide and your fungicide spray, so that probably would be worthwhile just giving them a spray with that. So
12: I just spray that on?
1: Yes, spray it onto the foliage. Try and, if you can, don't concentrate it too much down in all the cracks and grooves, but just try and get some down into where that powdery stuff is if you possibly can. But don't go overboard because we don't want to burn the, the crowns of the plant.
3: Should i repeat
12: it again in Certainly.
1: another... Certainly. My old uh, comment is, yes, try and repeat it again in 14 days' time just to make sure. Right,
12: okay,
1: that's great. All right. All
12: right. Can,
8: you're saying to mix, mix the Mancazeb and the Conquer. What about Mancazeb and
4: Confidore?
1: Yes, they... that's fine, that's fine. Oh, right. Conquer right. is just another brand name another for Confidore, yes. Okay, all
4: right, fine. Okay. Yes, thank Thanks you very Beth.
1: much. Thanks, Beth. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you, Beth. And um, we go now to Summerland Point, and Pamela's waiting on the line. Hello, Pamela.
12: Hi, David. Welcome back. Thank City you. Here. Thank you. Um, just a question about a small frangipani tree that has been about five years in the ground. Um, now, just it's just starting to develop three different little stems of flowers. Mm-hmm. Just wanting to know, can I give it some fertiliser. I know they don't like a lot of uh, treatment but to... you know, make the stems grow a full stem of flower.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, certainly you could probably just use a liquid fertiliser for this purpose because, as you say, frangipannies don't really require a lot of attention. You can give them a liquid, a a, a complete fertiliser. See, I've got to try and get back into the rhythm of things. It's It's not coming out right. Um, (laughs) You can give them a complete fertiliser, something like some pelleted manure, but certainly a liquid fertiliser will just give you a little bit of extra boost to the plant. So
12: Would sea salt
1: be all right? Sea salt is a stimulant of, for the root system, so it's not really going to help the growth of your plant. You need to get in with something like your Aquasol or Thrive or right. even the potash liquid fertilizer I've mentioned earlier in the program as well.
12: Right. OK. OK, David, thank you very much for that. And that might make the bloom sort of really a full head of bloom. Well, it should because
1: good. the, the pot, particularly the potash one, it's mm. basically designed for promoting flowers. So Right. You know. Oh, good.
12: And the, na- the, the name of that? It's
1: just called potash. Potash just... Liquid Fertiliser, yes. Oh, right. Mm.
12: Potash Liquid Fertiliser. Yes. OK. Thanks for your help, David. You're welcome, Pamela. Okay, okay, bye-bye. Bye now.
1: Bye-bye. <laughs> thank you, Pamela.
0: One of my favourite... Non-native plants, just about my favourite. Frangipanis? frangipanis, yeah. Especially this time of year, they're just starting to... Yes, a friend
1: um, of mine has a huge array of varieties of frangipanis. mm,
0: Because you've got the pink one and the... Oh, yes. And of
1: course, they're bringing out all these new colours all the time now, yes.
0: Lovely. Okay, uh, Kristen from Mount Vincent on the phone now.
1: Hello, Kristen. Hello, how are you going? Good, thank you.
13: Look, I'm meaning because we have a um, a very large cement in-ground water tank and mm-hmm. we planted about uh, 12 to 15 bottle brushes around the, the water tank really to try and be a bit of a shrubbery to stop our children walking on the water tank and sort of falling off the other side. Mm-hmm. And over the last 12 months, probably every month or two, one of them would just die. Um, and they've sort of gone from one end to the other and we have one left and it's, they all started off looking really healthy and then one to, to the other have just all sort of died on it. And I'm just wondering, um, I guess, one, whether the cement might have had something to do with it or it's, or it's something else and or maybe some other ideas of what we could plant there
11: next time.
1: Well, look, this is unusual because with bottle brush, they normally take fairly extreme conditions and, I mean it's unusual that you're losing one after the other. And sometimes when I hear that, it indicates to me that there's something actually travelling in the soil. And sometimes it could be a fungal disease or a virus that actually travels from one to the other and just keeps affecting plants down the line. So, <clears throat> I mean, if this is the case, it's probably been wise to try and treat the ground with a fungicide spray, but certainly if, it's, if you're on your last one, once that one is gone, the fungal disease, if it was there, will be gone anyway. I would have normally suggested bottle brush because they take wet or dry soils, they take a fair bit of neglect, they take well to pruning, and particularly in your area where, I mean, of course, you probably don't have town water, you may be surviving on tank water, yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll, you'll need something like that that's going to be very, very hardy. So, look, I, I would certainly stay with the bottle brushes and just consider planting another lot of those. But um, if this starts to happen again, it might be wise to just treat the ground with a fungicide spray just in case. Yes, it is a fungal disease that's there.
13: Is it worth? Would it? Is it a disadvantage to do that anyway? Just in case. I mean, we do have other bottle brushes around the block, mm-hmm. um, and from time to time they have up and
1: died as yeah, well that, that's weird because i mean they're just such a hardy old thing and you see them growing in the most barrenest places so look certainly it's not going to harm them in in giving them the fungicide to, to to be as a preventive measure uh that's not going to be a problem at all okay
13: we'll give that a go until all right. we have but no certainly
1: in your area i would stay with the bottle brushes because there's nothing else that uh, i would suggest that would be hardier than that Okay, well, we'll Lauren? give it a try. Thank you
13: very much for your help. You're
0: welcome. Okay, Bye. Bye. Thank you, Kristen. And on the line next, Kate from Lambton. Hello,
1: Kate.
8: Hi, guys. Um, I've not long tuned in, so I don't know whether you might have answered the question right. I want to ask. I've been saving them up while you're away. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I cut a limb or any limbs off a frangipani while it's flowering?
1: Yes, and what are you going to do with those limbs?
8: Well, I might strike them for okay. other
1: people because is that most. Okay? Yeah, that's fine. Most of the times we take cuttings from frangipanis during the winter time for striking because they need to dry out and they're practically dormant during winter.
8: Oh yes, during, yes but I'd be doing
1: that. Yes, so I mean, look, dry out. I've
8: done it before, but I haven't done it while
1: they were flowering. Okay, certainly yeah, it's not so a problem. Okay, you can do it. It will. It, they will actually heal themselves uh, by by the sap, of course, which which is going to bleed after you've actually trimmed it. So yeah. that will seal the cut anyway.
8: Yeah, okay. Um, another thing, How do, what's the best way to take cuttings from Tibicina?
1: Okay, well, tipusheenas are done from cuttings, and normally they're cuttings basically towards the top. You can take some of the previous year's wood as well because that's more substantial material. Uh, Take certainly quite a lot of them because you may not get so many of them to strike. Uh, You can do that at this time of the year because they're in their growing season at the moment. Yes.
8: Hmm. Is there anything particular that you do, you know, do you put it in just... um
1: Uh, What do you call it? Seed raising mixture or a cutting mixture or propagation mixture, certainly because that's basically a coarse sand material and it will have a a peat moss or something like that in it to help retain the moisture. So you certainly use that. And then you can, of course, just use uh, just a hormone powder on the bottom of your cuttings uh, that you just dip that into and then pop them straight into your cutting mixture.
4: Yeah, you
8: don't sort of um, smother them in honey or anything like that. Well, look,
1: certainly honey has been a substitute for the hormone powder. I've heard people often use that instead of hormone powder and it still works basically the same.
8: Okay, so it's instead of not as well as. That's
1: right. You don't want to overdo it because you will be overdoing uh, by using both of those products.
8: Righto. The other thing is um, ornamental ginger, Mm -hmm. um, a
1: cutting from that. You take that from, excuse me, (coughs) from the rhizomes that are on the base so they're actually done by division so you actually dig a clump up split it up and replant it again
8: ah okay because they do tend to multiply in captivity they
1: certainly do and that's why they're easily grown from division yeah
8: okay um that's that's about it i think great i I, I suppose you've answered heaps of questions about roses
1: i have yes. yes yeah
8: Yes, the um, the problems, the black spots yep. that won't go away. Well, if you
1: didn't hear the previous call, a good remedy for the roses at the moment are to actually give them their good summer prune. So prune them back a good halfway. I was so thinking that, of that. Yes, yeah, so you're really going to promote good, strong growth again, and you'll be surprised at how well they'll look once they do that. Great.
8: Right. Okay, and, and I can use the... Um um, what do you call it the shield rose, shield rose
1: shield yes once they start to regrow again make sure you get in fairly quickly and yes. continue to use that so you prevent the black spot from occurring again hasn't been working lately i know that's what i've been told <laughs> probably because <laughs> yeah. of the weather that we've been getting it's really um caused a lot of problems with it fungal sure has, yes. yes yes okay
8: thanks very much
1: you're welcome bye-bye oh. kate
0: thank you kate and well done with the list there and, uh, we go now to Doug from Maitland.
1: Hello, Doug. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, I have a passion fruit vine. Hmm. It's a
10: quite, quite a big one. It's, uh, running about 10 metres, uh, about 5 metres each way along the fence. And it's, uh, gave me quite a few passions this season. Uh, do I need to prune it?
1: Well, look, certainly it's a great idea to prune passion fruit. We normally do that in the early parts of spring, but if you feel that you need to give it a prune now, it's not going to affect it, so you can give it a light prune. Only probably around about a third of the growth off as needs to be done this time of the year because remembering passion fruit never actually crop during our hottest time of our year. This year may be a little bit of an exception because it's been fairly mild, but certainly they'll always start to crop in the early parts of spring, and then we'll also get another flush of flowers in the autumn when it cools down slightly so this time of the year we don't normally get any flowers occurring but certainly for those people that do have lots of flowers don't prune them back uh because you will stop that from happening so certainly if you haven't got any flowers really to speak of at the moment Doug just a light prune and that will bush it out even further for you
10: yeah well it just it's just finished uh bearing fruit okay. uh, and um it's now starting to die
1: off. Okay. Well, certainly in your case, I would give it a light prune back so you encourage some more good growth. Okay, then. All right. That's thank all I needed to All right. Thank you, Doug. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye for now. Bye.
0: Thanks, Doug. I was wondering when we were going to get a question about that. Um, fruit. Passion yes. fruit, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next on the line, Joyce from Raymond Terrace. Hello,
1: Joyce.
9: Hello, David. How are you good, today? Good. Thank you. Um, I was wondering if you could help me with a frangipani. Yes. Um, it's a deep burgundy frangipani. The flowers are out, but no leaves are coming out.
1: Okay, that's interesting.
9: <laughs> it does look interesting, all those nice flowers on it. So no. I,
1: I think perhaps in this case, I mean, all the energy is going to the flowers, so therefore that's why the foliage has suffered. I mean, normally we would get foliage before the flowers, but um, in this case I think perhaps once the flower's finish, you may get some foliage. There's nothing that I can suggest that will actually encourage the, the, um, the leaves because the, the flowers are probably the most important thing at this time of the year. So yeah, a,
9: well, that's right flowers did come out first.
1: Yes, yes. The
9: whole stem and then the flowers. Yeah, and that's weird. Those little poultry leaves yes. that are on it are only about... An uh, inch and a half
1: long. Right. Okay, well, as I said, I can't really suggest anything to do to bring the, 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 the leaves on because the flowers at this stage are the most important things that that plant is actually um, uh, producing. So, once so should the f-
7: I just leave it like yeah, it is? Yep, just leave okay. it as it
1: is and wait for the flowers to finish and then you may get a late crop of leaves and then, of course, they may all fall off again. <laughs>
9: exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. You're welcome, okay, Joyce. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye now.
0: Thank you, Joyce. Yeah, the the frangipani thing with me, I I don't know whether I've ever explained it. Um, In 1958, when I was nine, we came to Australia, six weeks on a ship from England, snowing when we left. Got here, end of March, and um, we we were living in this little house in Hamilton South. The first night, uh went to sleep. Window open, and this beautiful oh, yeah. perfume came wafting in, and um, and that's that stayed with me. Yes. Just sort of, yeah, you know, the whole thing about Australia Day and everything's still with me. Such a, a lovely place to come to, and and to have frangipanis growing yes. wild in the streets, almost. It's, it was just a wonderful <laughs> thing. Okay, um, twenty five past one. Um, no calls waiting at the moment, David. So maybe that checklist of uh, things that we should be doing. Um, Can we, you were talking before about getting ready for planting things uh, for. For autumn and, and yes. winter, it seems a bit early to be it thinking does. about I know that, it but, does. but is that something we should be keeping in mind?
1: Well, it is because I mean, look, I know that um, I'm starting to get winter seedlings in, and I mean things like Brussels sprouts, cabbage, and broccoli. They're the mm, three main mm, things which mm, I've started it. getting in. And of course, with Brussels sprouts, you've got to plant really early because if you don't, you miss the fruiting season. And just remembering that because you must, that's probably one of the very, very first winter vegetables that you need to get in fairly early because they require the cold conditions to produce the fruit and if you put them in in the middle of winter you're not going to get that because by the time the plants grow the season's gone anyway so you'll, you won't be successful so they need the actual cold conditions them to actually fruit. So if you get your Brussels sprouts in nice and early, and the same is with cabbage, I mean, look, certainly with cabbage, we can plant cabbage all year round if we really want to, but this is coming up to the season where we would think about cabbage being for our winter vegetable. So as I said, you know, cabbage, Brussels sprouts and broccoli, they're the three main things that I would be suggesting mm-hmm. that you consider at this time of the year. As we move a little bit closer to autumn, say in another few weeks' time, you'll probably find that there a lot of other things will start to appear in seedlings. But but remembering seed, if you're considering on seed, well, you may really like to start thinking about a lot of those winter seeds by putting them in now, getting them ready for that winter season because I don't think we'll get the hot summer as we normally get it during right. yeah. the, the February because, I mean, we've had a December and January, which have not been hot, but they've been humid, but certainly not to the degree as we had in our previous years where we were getting four times. Certainly hope... I'm right in saying that, that we're not going to get the uh, the summer during February. Yeah, so, but who can tell? Well, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So,
0: Okay, we do have one last caller on the, on the line, David. This will be the last caller for today. It's Marie from
1: Edgeworth. Hello, Marie.
8: Hello, David. How are you?
1: Good, thank you.
8: That, that's good. Um, I have some orchids. Yes. Uh, my grandson brought them here and... Um, they, have, as far as I can tell, they haven't flowered this year can I repot
1: them? Well look certainly with orchids they love being restricted Marie so you know if you can still stick your finger down in the pot and you can get it down into the pot it probably doesn't need repotting. The only time you should repot orchids is if they're very pot bound and they've got nowhere else to go so you can't stick your finger down so you can split them if you wanted to but remembering with most orchids they do take a few years to reflower again if you just wanted to step it up into a pot slightly larger certainly do that. That's probably the safest thing to do just step it up into a pot a little larger than what it's already in yes oh great
8: um they're in big pots Mm -hmm. but they're you know they're quite uh, big quite tall yes
1: and I well, that's just, all right because, as I said, that, they still will probably function well if you feed them with an orchid fertiliser and continue to do that. You'll probably find they'll spike very nicely ready for the next season. But certainly only if you can stick your finger down into the pot, you shouldn't need to repot them.
8: Oh, thank you very much for that. Okay. Thanks, thank Marie.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Marie. And thank you, indeed, everybody who rang up and was part of... Today's program, the first program in Gardening Talkback for 2012. Well, David, you've uh, got a task ahead of you to choose somebody from amongst that uh, list of callers who are going to win these um, beautiful things that, that you're giving away. I've been looking at this flannel flower that you're giving yes. away, and I've got, got one in a pot. looks different. Yeah, the, mm. the leaves seem to be smaller and tighter. Yes. And this obviously is a different sort of... That's right. ...different...
1: And that's what I mentioned earlier, that they're bringing out these newer, hardier varieties right. of flannel flowers. Yeah. So perhaps uh, you may have the original flannel flower. Could be. Um, mm. So this is just a newer variety. And yes, the leaf is much larger than the normal flannel flower. And the other thing too is the leaf is a lot thicker on this one than the normal flannel flower.
0: Right, but it would still have that nice furry oh, yeah. feel to yes. it. Yes, yeah. it
1: does. So that's exactly what I'm giving away today, a flannel flower in a pot. Of course, it doesn't have any flowers on it, but I'm sure if you get it into a a nice, sunny, well-drained position in the garden, you probably would get some more flowers by the end of the season. As well as that, I'm giving a box of... A, a, a box of... The- <laughs> Uh, Deary me. It's the first program, David. You'll get that. I'm giving away a box of the tomato (laughs) food today as well. That's the soluble plant food as well as a a container of these. I must nearly finish. A container of the Sea Organic um, Complete Fertiliser as well as some um, sachets in that um, bag as well. And I'm going to give it to Pauline today of Garden Suburbs. She rang us about the hydrangeas that seemed to be changing colour which she needed to change back. So, Pauline, all you really need to do is make your way to Walls End Community nursery. Of course, that's on the corner of Crowdus and Lake Road. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program where I will have a brand new gift to give away next Monday.
0: Of course. And that means uh, we're back on for the rest of the year. We can look forward to seeing you again (laughs) next Monday,
1: David. Thanks, Phil. I'll see you then. And good gardening, everyone.